always uh, it's an it's an honor for me to to stand here and uh, I want to say in the, the short time that we've been a part of this this congregation we've you know come to really know and love you all and and we appreciate it each and every time that we get to stand here um, this morning if you don't mind please uh, stand with us as we read the scriptures we'll be turning to the book of Proverbs and uh, chapter number 28 we'll read one verse of scripture there then we'll be bouncing over to Psalm 32 Proverbs 28 and verse number 13. The Bible says, He that covereth his sin shall not prosper, but whoso confesseth and forsaketh them shall have mercy. Let me read that one more time and, and let that soak in. He that covereth his sins shall not prosper, but whoso confesseth and forsaketh them shall have mercy. Now may the Lord add his blessings upon the reading of his word and let God's people say praise the Lord. And you can be seated. Keith, I want to thank you for that, uh, that special that he sang this morning. That was, wow, truly wonderful. Brother Lynn, great job on leading the choir this morning. It's just good to be here. Uh, a few years ago, if you'd have told me that I would be preaching uh, on Senior Day, I would say, "Why?" But now I realize, you know, I'm I'm a senior as well, and I get really agitated if I don't get my discount at McDonald's for the coffee. <laughs> but I've earned it. Psalm 32. Please flip into your Bible to Psalm 32. Psalm 32 is uh, what you might call a beatitude in the psalm. The first beatitude in the psalm is Psalm number 1. And this is a psalm in Psalm 1 that's saying that the righteous man, is blessed. You remember how it goes, blessed is a man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, or sitteth in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in that law does he meditate day and night. He shall be like a tree that is planted by the rivers, that bringeth forth his fruit in his season and it shall not wither. Psalm 32 is a psalm, a beatitude psalm that tells us that the sinner who has been forgiven is blessed. And I think in, in, in terms, it does fit all of us because each and every one of us that are here today are sinners that have been saved by the grace of God. 
The Bible teaches us that there's none righteous. No, not one. It says that for all have sinned and come short or missed the mark, if you will, the glory of God. Psalm 32 is a psalm of instruction as well. And what Psalm 32 does, David does here in this psalm, is he gives us some instruction over things that he has learned through his life, by his past, that God has brought him through, that he made a pledge that he was going to share what God had done through him and for him. So I want us this morning to, in thinking of these terms, thinking of the instruction that this great and mighty king of Israel, probably the greatest king that Israel had ever known, the instruction that he has for each and every one of us. Now, I want us to get personal with this. I want you to understand this morning that, that, that Brother Frank is not talking to the person beside you. That if the Holy Spirit was to deal with your heart and with your soul, that he's not just, it's not just rubbing off from somebody beside you. He may be speaking to you. James Harrington, the Bourbon Street preacher, said he dealt with a man. He was kind of like the, the old town drunk in Mayberry, Otis. And he said every time he would preach to this man, the man would think, well, it, it's not me that he's talking to. He's talking to somebody else. No, the Spirit of God, I pray this morning, speaks to you as an individual. As he spoke to me as I studied this lesson. David wants to give us some instruction here. And we want to look into these passages of scripture. Eleven short verses and there's some, it's just jam packed with some, some great teachings for us. It, it's exhorting to you to realize that a sinful man, one like me, can be forgiven. No matter where you've been, no matter what you've done. Whatever your besetting sin may be can be under the blood of Christ. You can be forgiven. If you're not already a child of God here this morning, you can be before you leave this building. Because the grace of God is as strong today as it was the day that Christ hung on that old rugged cross. He bowed his head and he gave up the ghost and he said, Father, it is finished. You can be saved today. Let's look at these verses of Scripture. In verses 1 and 2, Psalm 32, I hope you have your Bibles open and follow along with us as we look at these passages of Scripture. Verse 1 and 2, Blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man unto whom the Lord imputeth not iniquity. And in whose spirit there is no guile. Now, there's several different ways that you can look at the word blessed. In most translations and in most uh, interpretations of this word, it has to do with happiness. Because it comes from the word hap. Whatever's going on around you, whatever's happening, you're either happy or you're not. I think the word blessed goes just a little bit deeper than the word happy. Whereas happy has to do with your circumstance, 
But being blessed, it doesn't matter what circumstance that you're in. You can be in, in, in physical ailments and you can still be blessed. You can be uh, uh, broke as Job's turkey and you can still be blessed. Being blessed has nothing to do whatsoever with the circumstances that are in your life right now. It has to do with the state that you're in. And the state that the child of God is in is under the grace of God, as our brother pointed out to us this morning, that we can stand before the high court of God and we hear that pronouncement, not guilty, not guilty, paid in full, pardoned. That's what David realized. As you remember from David's history, David was a mighty warrior. He was a mighty king. But as you remember in 2 Samuel, David became a mighty sinner. David had an adulterous affair with a beautiful woman by the name of Bathsheba. And in his sin and iniquity, he tries to cover. He uses deceit. He brings Uriah, her husband, in. And he says, go and, and, and go with your wife. You've been in the battle a long time, and we find that Uriah, the Hittite, doesn't leave the door of King David. So he tries to get him drunk and lead him back to his wife so he can cover his sins. But we find that Uriah, the Hittite, was a more honorable man than David because he never left the king's side. So David plots and he plans and he says, I'm going to send him into the heat of the battle when you get him in the forefront, get him close to the wall and back away and let Uriah the Hittite die. We see in David's life here all of these sins that are mentioned here in Psalm 32. We see him in the form of transgression. We see him as he is uh, in iniquity and guile and deceit. There's four words that David uses here in Psalm 32. And I want to show you these four words for sin. And then he uses three words for forgiveness. The first word that he uses here, blessed is the man whose transgressions, transgressions is forgiven. Transgression is the word for rebellion against a monarch or king. Transgression means that you understand what the rules are. You know the laws. David knew the Ten Commandments by heart. But David, in spite of everything he knew, still went headlong, willingly, and broke God's laws. You ever been in that situation? Let's be open, let's be honest this morning because in, in the sight of God we're uncovered anyway. And we need to face up to the fact that in the eyes of God, when he looks down upon you and he sees those besetting sins that you may be possessing this morning, that you may be practicing right now, that you're breaking his law willingly. You're a rebel. I'm a rebel. David realized that I'm a rebel. I've rebelled against the laws of God and I've broken his laws willingly. The second word he uses here for sin is the word itself, sin. 
Sin is the word that means that you missed the mark. Here's God's standard. You missed it. It brings a whole new light to Romans 3.23 where he says that all have sinned, missed the mark, and come short, short of the glory of God. That's where we all fall. God's standard says that he demands perfection. He will not accept anything less than perfect righteousness. And we miss it. Because of our transgressions, because of our rebellion, because of our willingness, because of our lack of confession, we miss the mark. David realized that he had missed the mark. As I said, Psalm 32 is a psalm of instruction. David has looked back at his life and he says, I want to help others It's coming. I want to show them where I've messed up so that I can help them. And it's good when God can take your past failures in your life and you can sit down with someone who may be going through these same trials and lift them up and help them and tell them that there is forgiveness. There is forgiveness. The third word that we look at here in verses 1 and 2 is the word iniquity. Iniquity. Look at what it says. Blessed is he whose transgressions is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man in whom the Lord imputeth not iniquity. Iniquity. Now, iniquity is a word twisted. Twisted. It's where we get our English word wicker. Any of you ladies got wicker furniture? You know how it weaves in and out and twists here and around? That's where we get our English word. Iniquity means that in our thoughts and in our minds and in our practices, we are twisted. Because of our sin, because of our transgressions, it brings forth the fruit of a twisted mind. A twisted mind. And then the last one that he uses here is the word deceit. The King James calls it guile. That means that when we do sin, and we do, we try to cover it. We try to just pretend it didn't, didn't happen. We try to uh, throw it under the rug, so to speak. Well, the pastor didn't see that. The deacons didn't know I did that. Let me tell you something, my brothers and my sisters. God sees it. He looks into our hearts and he sees our innermost thoughts. The psalmist says that he seeth my, and he knoweth my thoughts afar off. In other words, what he's saying there is he knows my thoughts before I even think them. That scares me to death. To know that I serve a God that looks down in my heart and he sees the wickedness that's within. Yes, I said wickedness because that's who we are. The Bible says that the heart is deceitful. It's wicked. Who can know it? Those four words there David uses to explain to us sin and where he had been. But thanks be to God there is forgiveness because he uses three words in these two, 
these passages of Scripture for forgiveness. The first word he uses is the word forgiven. Look at what he says here. Blessed is those whose transgression is forgiven. This word carries forth the thought of something that is carried away, taken away, taken out of sight. And what it alludes to is back in the Old Testament, on the Day of Atonement, the high priest, there would be two goats that they would gather up. One of those goats would be for a sin offering. And what they would do is they would take the blood of that goat. The high priest would go in and with that blood for his sins and for the sins of the people. He would sprinkle the ground. He would sprinkle the ark. And he would confess their sins as he was walking around in there sprinkling that blood. But the other goat that was there in a symbolic sense was what they called the scapegoat. Now what the high priest would do with that other goat is he would come and he would lay his hand on the head of that goat and he would confess all the sins of himself and the people. And then a servant would take that goat and lead him out and he would send him out into the wilderness where that that goat would never be found again. And what that is symbolic of, folks, is it doesn't matter where you've been. It doesn't matter what you've done. Under the blood of Jesus Christ, your sins have been carried away. And God says, I will never remember them against you again. You remember when the Lord Jesus Christ, after his resurrection, Peter and the other disciples decided, well... I think I'm going to go fishing. After that, Peter has denied him. The other disciples had forsaken him. Peter says, well, let's go fishing. Going back to their old ways, their old occupations. They fished all night and didn't catch a thing. And there that morning, the Lord Jesus Christ right there on the bank, Children, have you any meat? Nay, John says, it's the Lord. Peter covers himself and jumps off into the water. By the time he makes it to the bank, our Lord's got breakfast ready for him. Do you know that in that example, that Jesus never brought up their sin. He didn't say, I told you so. Like a lot of us would do. You remember when? I know what you did. Not our Lord. Because you see, once we confess our sins unto him, he's faithful, he's just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And he never brings them up to you again. They're gone. As far as the east is from the west, my sins are gone. That's what this word forgiven means. Let's look at the second word he uses here. He uses the word covered. Covered. Blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. It means to be put out of sight. Out of sight. 
God puts our sins out of his sight and he will never bring these matters up. They're covered under his precious blood. That's where my sins are gone. I, I like that little children's song that they used to sing. You know, you ask me why I'm happy. So I'll just tell you why. Because my sins are gone. They're underneath the blood of the cross of Calvary. As far as darkness is from dawn. In the seas of God's forgetfulness. That's good enough for me. Praise God. My sins are gone. You can claim that this morning child of God. If you've confessed your sins. To the Lord Jesus Christ. He's put them under his blood. They're gone. They're gone. Never to be remembered against you again. The third word he uses for forgiveness. Blessed is he whose transgressions is forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man in whom the Lord imputeth not iniquity. The old apostle Paul in Romans chapter 4 verses 5, 6, and 7, he quotes these very words here that are in Psalm 32. That word impute there, it, it's a... Let's call it an accounting word, a banker's term. It means the transferal of funds. And what it means there, that if you, if you have confessed your sins, they're under the blood of Jesus Christ. What that means is those sins and those iniquities, those transgressions, have been transferred to the Lord. And His righteousness... His perfect, holy righteousness, past, present, future, have been put into your account. 2 Corinthians 5 and verse number 21, the Bible says, He that knew no sin, that was Christ, became sin, that we might become the righteousness of God in Him. He took my place. All of his righteousness, all of his worth went to me. It's kind of like this. Now, I don't know, probably a bad example, but I don't know uh, what store out there would allow me to charge up 10 million bucks. Because to be honest with you, I don't have 10 million bucks. All I've got is $10. And, and the store calls in the debt. They said, it's time to pay. I ain't got it. Some multi-millionaire steps up and says, I'll pay it. That's a, maybe a bad example, but that's exactly what Jesus has done for each and every one of us when he took our sins and our iniquities. He paid the debt. That's what he, mean, he meant when he said, it's finished. It's paid in full. That means my sins. Now, I want you to understand this. You know, because a lot of people believe that, well, you know, uh, preacher, all you got to do is, is start doing good things. Right now, just start doing good things and do good things all the rest of your life, and that'll be good enough. God will be happy with you. You know, just turn over a new leaf. Be good to your neighbor. You know, join a church. Join this church. Join every church you can. Put your name on every church roll in the state of Tennessee, in the United States. 
Be baptized all you want to. You see, Satan don't care how religious we get. He really don't. He don't want you to have a relationship. So you, you can be as religious as you want. But the fact of the matter is this. What are you going to do about what you did yesterday? What are you going to do about those past sins? You see, under the blood of Jesus Christ, my sins are paid past, present, and future. That's why Romans 8 and 1 says, There is therefore now, right now, at this moment, no condemnation to them who are in Christ Jesus. Folks, I am under the blood of Jesus Christ, not in myself, but in his righteousness, I'm just as good as in heaven right now. It's secure in Christ. These, this word imputed means that my account's cleared. It's paid. I was going to open up with the example of, of, a, of a courtroom scene, but my brother got it. Man, that was great. Glad you did. When we stand before the high court of God, we're considered not guilty. David knew this, and this is what he said. Look at verses 3 and 4. <clears throat> what happens to us when we sin? Well, the initial reaction is, is we want to, well, that one didn't count. Or we try to cover it. That's exactly what David has done here. Verses 3 and 4 says, when I kept silence. That's what he did. He knew what he had done. But he says, I'm not going to mention it. I'm going to cover it up. Hopefully it will go away. Why, in the back of his mind, in his thinking, in his soul, he's, he's thinking, when am I going to get found out? When is it going to come to surface what I've done? He says, when I kept silent, my bones waxed old through my roaring all day long. Folks, you know that sin will make you sick. David was probably about in his 50s whenever he committed this, this awful sin with Bathsheba and Uriah. But David's, he says, I've dried up. I hurt. Sin is to the conscience what disease is to the body. Sin will make you sick. If you harbor it in and you keep it in, unconfessed sin, child of God, will make you sick. David realized that. He says, my bones, I'm moaning, I'm groaning, I'm aching all day long. Why? For day and night thy hand was heavy upon me. My moisture, in other words, my vitality is turned into drought of summer salah. Now there's, a, there's two or three interpretations of the word salah, but most of it is a musical term, and it means to pause or hold. And what David is saying here is I want you to really think about what I just said. What I just said. And I want you to know something, child of God. In that fourth verse there, he says, For day and night thy hand was heavy upon me. Let me tell you something. Look up here. God loves you too much to leave you in a carnal condition. You know that. The Bible teaches me in Hebrews chapter 12 that God whoops his children. My mama used to say whoop. I don't know if it's whip, whoop, whatever. She could wield a YRM fly swatter like a samurai warrior. 
I know what it is to be whooped. And I want you to know something, child of God. If you're his, one of the, one of the evidences that you are his is he chastens you. He whoops his children. David was suffering. He was going through chastisement. Chastisement means to child train. And you all know uh, that sometimes you got to get a little firm with our kids. You love them, and that's the reason you do it. And God says, because I love you, I'm not going to leave you there. I'm going to bring you back. David says, your hand was heavy upon me. I acknowledged my sin. Here we go. Confession. Confession. He says, I acknowledge my sin unto thee, and my iniquity I have not hid. Instead of deceit and guile now, David says, I'm opening it up. I'm confessing it all. I'm standing here before you, Lord, wide open, kind of like a slave in the Old Testament. Whenever they would bring that slave to be purchased, you can read about this in the book of Hosea with his adulterous wife, Gomer. When he, he would keep going out and bringing her back, going out, bringing her back. The last time he finds her, he finds her on the, on the block being sold as a slave. Now what you must realize is that in that time, what they would do, they would stand that person high up on a block and they would strip them naked. That's where he found them, stripped naked, because the merchants wanted to see what they were buying. They wanted to know if they were strong, if they, they were sickly. And you know what, child of God, that's where God found you, stripped naked. That's where you are in his sight. You can't hide it. David understood that. That's instructions he's given us today. You can't hide sin from God. You may hide it from our pastor, from our deacons. You may hide it from your best friend, your spouse. But be ye sure your sin will find you out. David says, I'm not hiding it anymore. I'm confessing my transgressions unto the Lord, and thou forgavest me. Verse 6. Verse 6 says, For this shall everyone, here we go. Listen to this. I hope you have this pattern in your life. Folks, it's not a matter of your sin. We all sin. It's a matter of how sin affects you and what you do with it. You know, if you can just go on and on and on and on and don't bother you. You, you might want to check. Now, Brother Frank loves you. I want you to remember that. I do. And I, I, God's my witness. I wouldn't tell you anything to hurt you. I mean, some of my words may hurt. But if you listen, they'll be good for you. They'll be good for you. All of us sin. My question to you this morning is what does, how does sin affect you? How does it affect you? You try to cover it over. You try to be like kids, say something, well that, well, that one didn't count. They do count. Sin is a missing of the mark. Is that right? 
Iniquity means that we have twisted thoughts. And we do. But there's forgiveness. John says in his uh, little epistle there, if we confess, God's faithful. He'll forgive. But you've got to confess it. Now, I'm not telling you to come down here and, and, and shake my hand or, you know, confess to me. I, I don't wear a backwards collar. You don't need to do that to me. And I'm pretty sure Brother Todd tell you the same thing. I mean, if you feel like you need to come down front and pray, we'll be glad to pray with you. Talk to the Lord with you. But a lot of people think, that, well, if I go down front, you know, everything will be all right. That's just geography, folks. That's moving a center from back yonder to up here. Unless you meet the Lord on your knees, do you no good. I got news for you, folks. People that come forth to make a profession of faith were saved before they ever left the pew. You understand me? The Spirit of God opens your dead heart. He quickened you to life. He showed you your need of a Savior, and you called out to Him. Romans says, Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Is that what it says? Amen. Huh? That's what it says, huh? You know, we take that word call very lightly. We say, well, I called on the Lord. Blowing our bubbles and giggling. That word call there expresses emotion. Whosoever shall call, Lord help me. That's where a sinner's at. He sees himself sinking for the third time, going down without any hope. And then all of a sudden as he's going down, a hand reaches down and pulls him up. That's where he found me. Confess it. David understood that. He paused and said, I want you to think about this. He says, For every, this shall every one that is godly pray unto me. Listen to this. In a time when thou mayest be found. In a time when thou mayest be found. You know what that speaks to me as? The Bible says today is the day of salvation. Pardon not your heart. God never saves nobody tomorrow. It's today. If the Spirit of God is dealing with you today about being saved, you see yourself as lost and undone, needing Christ without any hope, today's the day of salvation. If you're here today and you've got unconfessed sins, today is the day. Confess those sins to God. Make it right. Say, I'm not hiding it anymore, Lord. It's open. It's here. Forgive me. And he will. Like I said, we're not telling you to come make a public profession unless you feel like you need to. If you do, that's okay. Make it right with yourself with the Lord right now today. Listen to what he says. He said that why I may be found. Surely the floods of great waters, they shall not come nigh unto thee. Those flood waters there are a picture of judgment. That's a picture of the judgment of God. Those of us who are under the blood of Jesus Christ, who have confessed our sins, whom he has quickened and made alive and showed us our need of a Savior, he that has made us accepted in the Beloved, that judgment water shall not come to you. As Moses was saved from the flood, so will you be safe in the time of judgment. True story. Several years probably hundreds of years ago, I think, when I read this article, it talked about a wagon train that was moving across prairies 
And as they was going across the prairies, they seen this huge prairie fire coming at them. The wagon master, thinking very quickly, goes back in behind them, and he starts a fire behind them. The wind blowing in that direction blows the fire away. As they move back onto the, onto the burnt ground, there's a little girl in the wagon train says, are we going to be safe? She sa he says, yes, ma'am. He says, the fire won't come where it's already been. You see, Jesus Christ bore our fire for us. He bore the condemnation of sin for you and me. I heard one time of a, a fire that broke out in the west over in California and as the, as the uh, rangers was walking through the burnt stubble, they come across the body of a small bird with its wings outstretched. And as they took and they moved that, that bird away, that charred body, that burnt body, underneath those, that bird's wings was its little chick alive. That bird gave its life to bore that fire for his baby. You see, Jesus, he took the judgment and fire of God for you and me. We were under his wings. We live. We're set free. I'm free to go. Thou art my hiding place. Instead of David hiding his sin, he says, now, God, you're my hiding place. Thou shalt preserve me from trouble. Thou shalt compass me about with songs of deliverance. Selah. I will instruct, this is God speaking to him here. I will instruct thee, teach thee in the way which thou shalt go, and I will guide thee with mine eye. Be not as a horse of a mule. You see, before David was bold, running headlong like a horse into his sin, he was stubborn as a mule. He wouldn't have it any other way. And God says the only way that, that I can break a horse or a mule, or only way I can make them obedient is to break them. But I don't want to do that with you, David. So what I'm going to do, I'm going to compass you about with mercy. I'm going to guide you. I'm going to instruct you in the way that you should go. That's mercy. Many sorrows shall be to the wicked, but he that trusts in the Lord, mercy shall compass him about. He comes into the congregation of the righteous now, and they sing and they shout about God's forgiveness, about God's mercy. He gathers them all together, and he says, You that have been forgiven, you that have been made white by the blood of the Lamb, sing and shout. Because your sins are forgiven. What about you here today? We all sin and come short of the glory of God. We all have our besetting sin. My question to you, child of God, is it unconfessed sin? If it's unconfessed sin, you'll not prosper. Solomon, many, many years after his dad had committed such terrible sin, he wrote in Proverbs chapter 28, verse 13, that whosoever covereth his sin will not prosper. You won't prosper. You'll grow weak. 
you not only grow weak spiritually, but you'll grow weak physically. But I got good news for you. There's forgiveness to those that confess. Lord, I've sinned. Like a, like a loving father with his children. He takes us right back in. If you're here today and you're lost, you don't know about the saving grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. May this be the day that God would grant us here at Powell's Chapel a miracle of grace. Because that's what it's going to take. It takes a miracle to save someone. If the Spirit of God is speaking to you about the condition of your soul where you're at, make it right today. If you feel a need to come and pray, please come. Someone will meet you here. If you need to talk after services, our brother, the deacons, and even I am willing to talk with you. Make it right today. While we stand, while we stand.